0: Energy. Can we all just admit that I was right about Mac Jones from the start? He's good, he's not great, and they have made him worse by what they have done to him this year. The passion. This UVM team is the most athletic team I can remember in the eight years I've been covering them. They're that fast, they're that quick, they're that bouncy. The opinions on all your favorite teams. Craig Breslow might be great. But he's got to start spending money. I think he's going to, but he better start soon. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEB AM, FM, and WDEV Radio.com. What's up, everybody? Happy Tuesday here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEV Radio.com. Full show tonight now, all 90 minutes. No high school basketball tonight because of the inclement and impending weather that is coming. Everybody do stay safe out there, right? We've been updating you on the weather all day long. We're talking about snow, three to eight inches, depending on where you are. Some of that bigger snow is going to be in the Green Mountains. But then as the temperature warms up overnight, we're going to transition to rain. You're going to see some melting. There's going to be significant winds up to 70 miles an hour in Jericho, Underhill. Um, you know, that's not too far from where I've lived. So, you know, I know that area well, and it certainly can get windy there. So do be safe. As Roger says, if you're along the spine of the Green Mountains, kind of you know where some of the dangerous spots are, so do be careful. We'll give you some relief from the weather for the next 90 minutes. We'll kind of interrupt with some news-related coverage if there is, is any news coverage to be done. But uh, no high school basketball tonight because of the weather. The state decides to pull the plug on a number of games, so here we are for 90 minutes. Aaron actually works out well for us today. Baloney, UVM, men's basketball standout is going to be with us. but He's going to be with us about 10 minutes later than usual, so without having high school basketball, we might not have been able to get to AD today, but we can now. He'll be with us at about 640 today. He's usually with us at 630. Beyond AD, a lot of Patriot stuff, a lot of Celtic stuff, including the controversy from last night's loss against the Indiana Pacers. I've got thoughts on that. The NBA has just released its official two minute report, which I think is absolute garbage. We'll talk about that. Jalen Brown's comments have me a little bit triggered today. So we got a lot of stuff to get to, you can get in on the text line 802-585-3026. That's 802-585-3026. I am here. You are here. Danny is here. Danny, Lego!
1: Five. Four, three, two, one. And here
0: we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farka Show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber. Vermont's most complete locally owned home center, also upstate New York. Locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber, as well as in Rouse's Point, New York. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. Danny, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I think it was February of 2021. I think it was February of 2021, so I think it was almost three years ago. There's a chance it was February of 2022, but it was either two or three years ago. We had on this show an author by the name of Jeff Benedict, and Jeff Benedict wrote a book called The Dynasty, and it was about the Patriots. And I actually have this book, and I had it on in my office, or on my desk, rather, right here at the station for several years. Ever since we did the interview, I got sent the book. I had the the book On my desk. Well, the Dynasty book is becoming a Dynasty docu-series. And it's going to start on February 16th, I think. And it's going to be aired on Apple TV. And right now I don't have Apple TV, so I'm going to have to find a way to get it. Because I want to watch this. And I didn't read the whole book, but I'm more inclined to watch something on Apple TV, docu-style, 30 for 30 style, etc. Well, they just dropped the trailer for the Dynasty docu-series that's going to air on Apple TV. They just dropped that earlier today, and the trailer is one minute long. I'm going to play you 20 seconds of that trailer, the last 20 seconds. and I believe, in order, you will hear the voices of Danny Amendola, Randy Moss, Tom Brady, and Robert Kraft. And you will hear something in this 20 seconds that proves the point, to me, of why Bill Belichick needs to not continue as head coach of the Patriots. Danny, play me that 20 seconds of the Dynasty docuseries trailer.
1: That team won enough to become the villain.
0: We worked
2: for Bill, but we played for Tom.
1: Bill Tour Brady's head completely
0: off. There's things that are done that can't be undone.
2: I was just trying to hold it together the best I could.
0: All right, so it was actually Michael Strahan was first. Strahan was first, then Amendola, then Moss, then Brady, then Kraft. Danny, play it one more time.
1: That team won enough to become the villain.
2: We worked for Bill, but we played for Tom.
0: Bill Tour Brady's hit completely off. There's things that are done that can't be undone.
2: I was just trying to hold it together
0: the best I could. Bill Belichick cannot continue as the Patriots head coach because of what Danny Amendola had to say. Danny Amendola was the second voice you heard. It was only two seconds long. It was the shortest of any clip in that 20-second clip. Simply put, Danny Amendola says, we worked for Bill. We played for Tom. Well, guess what? Tom's not there anymore. And Tom hasn't been there for a while. And I don't want a coach in Foxborough who the guys feel that they just work for. I want a guy in Foxborough who the guys believe they play for, who a guy will go to bat for, who a guy will line up for, who a guy will want to work for. And it doesn't mean that Bill Belichick is a bad coach. It doesn't mean that Bill Belichick has lost his fastball. It doesn't mean that Bill Belichick can't scheme up things. I believe Bill Belichick can do all of those things. But I need something different now. This team needs something different. This group of guys needs something different. This organization needs something different. They need a new voice. Bill Belichick is too old school right now for this group and the message, I believe, is not hitting in the way that it used to. We've all talked forever about who was more important, Brady or Belichick, and I have rallied against that topic. I refused to do it because they both needed each other, and they needed each other in the worst possible way. And I've always said that Bill Belichick would not have been as good without Tom Brady, not only for his on-the-field production, but because of his willingness to take the message and run with it. Well, guess what? Tom's not there. And the link to the guys that Tom played with, who Tom touched, who Tom connected with, they are all virtually gone as well. Okay, The Patriots need an organizational cleansing. Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick are there. And Matthew Slater and David Andrews, at least for today, are still there. And that's pretty much it. It's time to move on. And I am appreciative of what Bill Belichick has done, and I understand it will never be replicated. And I don't feel good about wanting to move on from Bill Belichick. It brings me no great joy to sit here and say this. But when you're hearing Danny Amendola, who last played for the Patriots, probably, Danny, look up the last time Danny Amendola played for the Patriots. I feel like it had to have been like 2017 at this point. 2018, maybe. When we're talking about a guy who six, seven, eight years ago is saying that we only worked for that guy, but we played for somebody else, and now that somebody else is not there, and it's been now four seasons since Tom Brady has been there.
2: 2017.
0: Hey, okay, 2017. So we're talking about guys felt this way seven years ago. If guys felt this way seven years ago, how are they feeling now? Ask yourself that question. Seven years ago. Guy said, Bill was just a guy that I worked for. Now Tom's not there to spread the message. Julian Edelman's not there to spread the message. Devin McCourty's not there to spread the message. Jason McCourty's not there to spread the message. Kyle Van Noy is not there. Dante Hightower is not there. Joe Tooney is not there. Ted Karras is not there. Shaq Mason is not there. Steven Goskowski is not there. These guys who believed in Bill and played with that group, all, they're all gone except for Slater, who's about to be gone, and David Andrews, who I think, and Joe Cardona, like, those are the links. It's time for an organizational cleansing. Okay? It's time to move on. Bill Belichick, I, I can't sit here and say he's lost the locker room because there are guys who rallied around him. Jarrell Pepper spoke good about him this year. Mac Wilson spoke good about him this year. But I want a different kind of leader, I want a guy who can connect with this generation, I want a guy who can rally the troops in that locker room, and I want somebody who can inspire. You know, it was very interesting. I was reading a story today, a very long piece with Trent Brown, and Trent Brown got a lot of grief this year, right? Guys didn't think he would play through injury, and Trent Brown caught a lot of flack, but he was inactive this week, and he's inactive that week, and less week of practice, and Trent Brown was talking, and he basically spoke about the coaching staff, not just Belichick, playing mind games, and he spoke about what they, you know, kind of how they messed with Mac and how they messed with him, and... In 2024, I need somebody who inspires, not somebody who's playing with your head. That's not the way that sports is anymore. Hey, the whole Zen thing, the Zen master stuff that Phil Jackson used to do in the 1990s, I don't know how well it would be received right now. Think about you. Think about you sitting in your car right now in your office or you listening to this podcast and how you like to be managed. And I understand that not everything is warm and cuddly. I get there's room for tough tough love. I get there's room for growth. I get there's room for challenging. I get there's room for confrontation. But what there always has to be is respect. And what you always have to know is that your boss, your employer, has your best interest at heart. And Bill Belichick doesn't always give that off. And his staff doesn't always give that off. And that's really tough for me in this day and age. And when I look around and I look at pro football and I see Dan Campbell and what he's doing and the way he inspires and the way he motivates, and I see – I know they didn't make the playoffs, but I see Pete Carroll continuously – under different circumstances, with different team leaders and different quarterbacks, in a different division, with different stuff around him, a different talent. One year he's offense-based, one year he's defense-based. And I see Pete Carroll get to the playoffs 10 to 14 years in Seattle and almost never have a losing season.
2: I was the older I'm than like- Belichick.
0: He's older than Belichick. I'm like, these guys have figured out a way to inspire and how to motivate. Is Pete Carroll as good at X's and O's coach as as Bill Belichick? No, he's not. The Seahawks went 9 and 8 this year, and they're disappointed. But you know what? He found a way to connect, and at least those guys played hard for him. And the guys played hard for Belichick, too. I understand that. We talked about that yesterday. But I just need a guy who feels like he inspires and brings out the best in people, and Trent Brown's quotes tell you that he really didn't. Danny, I'm going to I'm I'm, I'm going to talk here for a second while I look for the exact quote in this story that I'm looking for, but it came out today. It was written by Dakota Randall over at Nesson. And let me see exactly. It's a very long story. So he was talking about the locker room Man, I don't mean for this to be bad radio. I'm just trying to find the exact. Control F. Yeah, I don't know exactly what word I'm looking for in particularly. Um, I have to, I will have to find it here. He's talking about how he, again. Okay, here you go. He goes, I've even heard from coaches how they'll sit in in staff meetings and they'll be talking about how they can F with me. Like, I guess, trying to get me out of character Or whatever. It's really really crazy to think about that we're spending time talking about that instead of getting better. That's the New England Patriots right now with Bill Belichick. That Bill and or the coaches are figuring out how can they get inside their players' heads? How can they psych somebody out? How can they challenge a guy? And I understand there's different ways to bring the best out of somebody, But the way Bill's been doing it doesn't seem to be working anymore, right? Trent Brown doesn't like it. We saw how it worked for Mac. And I just need somebody who inspires, and I don't think that Bill inspires. And I'm not in the locker room, and I get that. But you know what worked for Bill a long time? That Bill could walk into a locker room and pull up his fingers and say, here we go, I got six rings, here's why you should listen to me. Well, Bill hasn't won a ring for a while, and that doesn't – really work as well now and Bill could look at you know Tom Brady could say hey Bill's tough but I like him and that's why you should like him well Tom's not there anymore the dynamic is different and when I hear Danny Amendola say we worked for Bill but we played for Tom man that's tough to hear when I hear Trent Brown talk about how the coaching staff is finding ways to mess with him I don't love to hear that either I want, and it's corny and kumbaya and as millennial as it sounds, I want a a kumbaya environment that's very collegiate where people do talk about things like family, where people do talk about things like togetherness, where people do talk about like playing for the guy next to you. And I don't ever hear that stuff from Bill. And, yes, it worked for a really long time, but it hasn't worked lately. It hasn't worked lately. And it's been four years now. And four years in NFL circles is a long time. Right? Tom leaves end of the 2019 season. So 2020, Pats made the, Pats go seven and nine, missed the playoffs. 2021, 10 and seven, make, or uh, 10 and six? 10 and seven, do we have the 17 game schedule? Yeah, I think they did. But with Mac 10 and seven and make the playoffs and get killed, have a lengthy losing streak in there at the end of the year. Last year, eight and nine missed the playoffs. This year, four and 13, right? It's regressing. It's regressing. It's very, very frustrating. 802-585-3026. But yeah, that text or that message from Amandola solidified it for me. That's how they were talking seven years ago, eight years ago. Imagine what they're saying now. It's the Brady Fargo show on WDEV, and and com. Yesterday, Bill Belichick said something that got a lot of Patriots fans excited. I told you I wasn't believing in it. Well, the Patriots experts are agreeing with me. What was that thing? It's next on DEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEV Welcome back in, Brady Farkin Show, right here on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. We've got a full show tonight. We're up until 7 o'clock here in Deloney, UVM men's basketball standout. We'll be with us about 640 today, just slightly later than usual. Peter and Williston wants to know about Mike Vrabel. We're going to get to that in the 6 o'clock hour. We're going to wrap up a Belichick discussion here first. So, yesterday we played the audio of Bill Belichick saying he was basically open to anything that makes the football team better. And that was with him being under the presumption that he would be back next year. And a lot of people took that to mean that Belichick would be willing to coach the team and not be the general manager also, not be the head player personnel guy. And we talked about that dynamic yesterday, and I said that even if Belichick is willing to do that, I said, I don't think that's a good idea. Right? If Bill Belichick says, I will stay here and coach the team, and I'm okay not being the personnel guy, I said... He may say that, but if he actually does it, I don't think it's going to work. Tom Kerr on NBC Sports Boston agrees with me, Danny. Do you think that Bill Belichick is going to sit there, and if they say you're going to not be able to do this, this, and this, Bill's just going to not? No, Bill, when he says collectively decide, he's going to have input in that decision, and there's going to be things that he would not even consider doing, I'm sure. Additionally, if the Patriots are sitting there at number three, and Bill's got a year left on his contract, and Elliott Wolf. For lack of a better example says, we're going to go with an offensive tackle or we're going to go with Jaden Daniels and Bill wants something completely different. Do you think Bill's just going to go? Okay. I, I, this, this is not a good idea. Two months ago, I would have, I said on these airwaves multiple times, I'd be okay with that. Not anymore. I, I can't do it because there would just be too much infighting and too much resentment and too much issue of control, because play a couple scenarios out here, right? Let's just say that Bill Belichick is kept completely separate from player personnel, right? They hire a GM, and Bill Belichick is kept completely separate. Well, guess what? Then it's not a collaborative process. When it's not a collaborative process at all, there is resentment there. Heck, Bill Belichick's mentor is Bill Parcells. What's his most famous, famous quote? Outside of talking bad about Terry Glenn, his most famous quote is something to the effect of, they want you to cook the meal, the least they could let you do is shop for the groceries. So Bill Belichick comes from a school of thought of that the coach is involved in player personnel. The coach is involved in picking the guys that he's going to coach. So if Bill is given no say in that, that's going to be a problem. And there's going to be resentment and there's going to be disconnect and there's going to be unhappiness. And I can't have that because we just spent the last two years, I think, dealing with resentment and unhappiness in the organization. And I need to move to that more family style environment where everybody's on the same page. Let's look at it the other way. Let's say Robert Kraft goes to Bill Belichick and says, Bill, you're not going to be the head or you're going to be the head coach. But we'll let you have real input on who the GM is going to be. So then Bill gets to pick his guy, and he's basically got a puppet. Well, that doesn't work because we've just seen that what Bill wants to do in a post-Tom Brady world isn't really good enough. So if he gets the choice of the GM and he's got a puppet, we've got the same problems we had with Belichick running the show personnel-wise. You just got it in a different package, right? So those are the two extremes. We'll now start to look at it more in the middle. Let's just say Robert Kraft goes and hires some 30-year-old hotshot, right, some 37-year-old hotshot who's a football nerd who comes through the analytics route. Is that guy who's got his first job and his first job is to work with Bill Belichick, is he going to go and completely ignore Bill Belichick? I would highly doubt that. So he's going to go and try to collaborate and say, hey, Bill, what do you think? And Bill might tell him the first time, hey, let's say hey, it's your job. You make the call. And then the second time, Bill might say, hey, you know, what about that thing? And, eh, okay, the third time, now Bill's like, all right, I want that guy. Bill might pick his spots and say, hey, kid, you can decide all you want about which guy we're bringing in on the practice squad, but when it comes to the draft, make sure you talk to me. When it, makes sure, when it comes to contract time, you make sure you talk to me. I know how these things work. That wouldn't be particularly good either. So there is no way, there is no scenario in which I think Bill Belichick is not the general manager but is the assistant coach where this works well. It's nice in theory, but theory is not real life. A guy who has shopped for the groceries for 25 years – and cooked the meal, I don't think all of a sudden wants to be given all the ingredients. And if the Patriots truly want a new voice, it's going to be very, very difficult to disassociate cleanly from what Bill Belichick wants. Okay, It is very difficult when you have had a power dynamic for 25 years almost to completely flip that power dynamic on its head and expect that everyone's going to be okay with it. Somewhere in this, Bill ends up with no power and he's resentful, or Bill still ends up with power and Robert Kraft's like, that's not what I really wanted. And then what? The two sides divorce next year, and it's even uglier relationship-wise than it is this year? You've got to rip the Band-Aid off. I know Robert Kraft cares about perception. I know Robert Kraft cares about his Hall of Fame resume. I know he doesn't want to be the guy who fired both Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells, I know he doesn't want that stuff. How do I know? Because we've heard reporters like Tom Curran say that kind of thing before. And just because Robert Kraft wants it, then I'm sorry, that's not enough of a reason for me to not help move the football team forward. The football team right now is not being moved forward. Teams that are laughing stocks in the NFL are moving past the Patriots. The Jaguars are on a higher pedestal than the Patriots. The Bengals are on a higher pedestal than the Patriots. The Washington Commanders' job is deemed right now a better job potential, you know, opening if they're both open than the Patriots. We have come a long way in terms of regression. It's time to correct that. It's time to correct that regression. Excuse me. Bill Belichick has been great. He's not great now. Not in this situation for this organization. Could he go and coach the Chargers and be great again? Yeah, he probably could. Could he go and coach Washington and be great again? It's quite possible. He's not going to coach here great because there's not going to be a set of circumstances that makes everybody happy where everybody wins. Danny, we've got the Cowherd audio. I think we've got it on the button bar here. Um, We Yeah, we do. It's up there at the top. Cowherd was talking about it today on Fox Sports Radio. I actually caught some of this live. And he agrees with me also. It's time to move on.
3: In New England, where do we start? How about everything? The offensive roster is weak. The skill level's low. The staff, not very good. They can't draft the last decade. It is a dated, tone-deaf defensive culture in an offensive league. Congrats. Build Grumpy Bill a statue. Giving him a new coordinator's not solving the problems. They've got major issues everywhere.
0: It's time to start over. It's time to start fresh. And, yes, with that kumbaya family environment, collegiate style, because you look at the Patriots, right? The Patriots are and are going to be a very young team. And I have always thought this. Okay, Why is it that Dan Campbell works so well in Detroit? Because he took a team of very young players that were coming from college and he gave them a collegiate style after, he gave them a collegiate style environment. He took guys who were cast-offs, like Jared Goff, and he gave them belief. He gave them what they needed. The Patriots are gonna be a roster as they turn over again, that ends up the same way. They're gonna have the number three pick in the draft, they're gonna have young players all throughout the draft, right? A new crop of draft picks coming, a crop of high draft picks coming, so they're gonna have Probably four to five new draft picks that are going to make an impact. They've got the guys they drafted this year. There aren't a lot of aging veterans on this team. Slater's going to be gone. David Andrews might still be there. I don't know about Jabril Peppers. I don't know about Adrian Phillips and these guys, but they're going to be a young roster. And when you have a young roster and when they build up this roster again, I think having a collegiate feel is the right thing, and that's not who Bill is. Right, Bill could if, they, if the Eagles fire Nick Sirianni, that's a veteran team with highly paid players. It's ready to go win a Super Bowl. I think Bill Belichick could go to that team and be perfectly in his element. Right, all business, all football. We're not building. It's not cuddly. We're here to do a job. We're here to win. That's going to be a spot where Bill Belichick could do well. These total rebuilds, they need that family style guy, and the Patriots have to find theirs. As far as I'm concerned. It's so the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. We will talk about Mike Vrabel's availability and how that changes things coming up in the next hour. But Celtics lose a very difficult game in Indiana. Controversy abound at the end of the game. I'll tell you my thoughts and why I'm not thrilled with Jalen Brown's comments afterwards. That's next on DEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, Brady Farker, show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Celtics, lo- we're getting off football here for a little while. Yes, we can do something other than football. Where's the texter who said, too much Patriots? Well, here you go. Here's a non-Patriot story for you. The Celtics lose a very tough game yesterday to the Indiana Pacers. Final score, 133-131. to With that loss, the Celtics are now 28-8. and Indiana, who's very, very frisky in the Eastern Conference, is 21-15. and They're a good team. They knocked the Celtics out of the in-season tournament. This game was shrouded in storylines and shrouded in controversy. So Jason Tatum didn't play in this game for the Celtics because of ankle issues. Tyrese Halliburton got injured in this game for the Pacers with a hamstring injury. Brutal to see him go down. He's really been one of the great stories of this season, one of the game's really young stars. And then at the end, all kinds of issues In this one, Danny. And since I know you were watching every minute of this game, right, I went back and watched it, but I was watching the college football championship game in real time yesterday. So I'm going to want your opinion on some of this stuff too, but I have definitive opinions as well on what happened here. So let's look at it. just Let's just kind of recap it here. It was 131 to 131 with a handful of seconds to play. Jalen Brown had the ball kind of short corner, on the near side, right, the near side of your television screen. Jalen Brown goes to shoot. He's being guarded. He's got a defender in front of him. Buddy Heald, who's kind of in the corner, comes from the backside, tries to block the shot, touches the ball, and then appears to make contact with Jalen Brown's head. The play is ruled a foul. Celtics would have had free throws with a handful of seconds to play and a chance to take the lead. Indiana challenges it and then the call is overturned, so there are no free throws. Indiana had gotten the rebound on what turned out to be a miss. Jalen Brown shot. They went down the other way. So the Celtics are fuming that this ball, this play that was called a foul, that we kind of all think is a foul, was then overturned. Then we go the other way, and Indiana takes the ball out on the side with two seconds to play or so, gets a shot off. The Indiana player shoots. Christophs Porzingis has his hand up. Play is questionable, but Porzingis gets called for a foul, and the uh Indiana player, Danny, Danny who is it, Mathurian, right, Mathurin.
2: Benedict Mathurian.
0: Benedict Mathurian, excuse me, my, my pronunciation mistake. So Mathurian, who had 26 points yesterday, by the way, and led Indiana in scoring with Halliburton leaving the game hurt. So Mathurian gets three free throws, hits two, 133 to 131, Celtics, with 0.3 seconds left, get a tip-in situation at the buzzer, almost make it, almost send it to overtime. So the Celtics are fuming, right? Jalen Brown thinks he was fouled, thinks that foul should have been called and stayed. They're fuming because they don't think the Porzingis play is a foul at the end. Brian Scalabrini can't believe this stuff, Danny. I won't play you everything Scal had to say, but play me the Jalen Brown play in real time with Scal's reaction. Now, Scal, here's the question. It looked like Heald might have hit the ball first, but does that matter no, if he hits him on the head? No, if you get him on the head, take a look. Buddy Hield on the head right there. You get a guy in the head like that, that's a foul. Two free throws. After review, the backside defender, Buddy Hill hits the ball. Therefore, the call on the floor has been overturned to a what? That's not right.
3: That's
0: not right. Okay, that's not right, Scal says. And the last piece of audio I want to play for you, Danny, is Jalen Brown after the game.
1: I think he obviously hit me in the head. I think uh, we definitely need to do some investigation. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I think that was an obvious one. Like I never heard of head part of the ball. Um, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I asked him when I've been asked. As they were like, did I get hit in the head? He looks me straight in the face, James, and he says, no, you didn't get hit in the head. And I'm like, okay. And then you come down to make on the other end, uh, like that costs our team a game. And you expect us not to be frustrated. You know what I mean? We're trying to build great habits. We're trying to win as many games as possible. And we just drop one because of that.
3: So I feel like we got the right to be upset.
0: Danny, you've known me for a long time now. You've listened to a lot of shows. You've been a part of a lot of shows. I'm going to ask you this. What do you think that I am going to say about this whole situation? You're
2: going to say Jalen was right, but it didn't actually cost him the game.
0: Correct. That's exactly what I'm going to say. So, as is usually the case, two things can be true at the same time. Jalen Brown was fouled. Okay. Jalen Brown was fouled. He did get hit in the head. He has a right to be upset. That was a bad call. The two-minute report just came out from the NBA. They justified the call and said incidental contact is not always a foul.
2: They're protecting the refs.
0: You know how many times we see garbage little hand checks or any kind of contact at all be called a foul? How many times I see ridiculous continuation result in the bucket in the NBA, don't tell me that incidental contact's not a foul. Incidental contact is always a foul in the NBA, and incidental contact is still contact, and incidental contact that impacts the guy's ability to hit a potential game-winning shot is still a foul. Now, so, when
2: Jalen says head not part of the ball, he's talking about the, the uh, what I call it, when you hit your, the hand, the, it's the usually hand. not a foul if you hit the ball first.
0: Right. The handshake,
2: the the high-five foul, I guess they call it.
0: The hand is part of the ball is a long-standing NBA thing, right? He's making a joke of that saying, I never heard head is part of the ball, ha, ha, ha. Even though he doesn't sound very funny when he's saying it, he's he's making a spoof there of that. So Jalen Brown has a right to be upset. Okay, that was a foul. The foul at the other end on Porzingis, I actually think was a foul also. And I know not every Celtics fan is going to agree with me, and especially after you think you just got robbed. I get why you think you're being robbed again, and I get Porzingis is upset. Like, hey, you did that to us down there. How can you do that to us here? I actually think it was a foul.
2: And Scal was actually sort of okay with it after looking at it.
0: To me, and and Scal's question was did Porzingis land in Matherin's airspace? I actually thought Porzingis went to block the shot, and brought his arm down. I, I thought he fouled him on the arm. I was less worried about where he landed. I thought he fouled him on the arm. So I thought one call was very wrong. I thought one call was right. The, the thing, though, that bothers me here is Jalen Brown's answer. That didn't cost you the game. As I always say, one call in a 48-minute game or in a 60-minute NFL game or in a nine-inning baseball game one call does not decide a game. And that one call didn't decide a game either. Does it impact the game? Yes. Does it have a role in the game's outcome? Yes. Does it decide a game? No. Because let me lay out the facts for you, Danny, and for Jalen Brown. The Boston Celtics allowed 133 points in this game. Okay? For a team that's supposed to be building on defense, for a team that's supposed to be about defense – You allowed 133 points. You didn't play well throughout the night. Okay, So the fact that you didn't get one call didn't cost you the game. How about getting a stop at some point in the game? That, your inability to get a stop, might have cost you the game. The Boston Celtics were up 11 points in the second half, were up 11 points in the third quarter, and blew it. Now, 11 points is not 30 points, and everybody in the NBA makes a run, but the bottom line is this. The Boston Celtics had a double-digit lead when the other team's best player was out and couldn't contain it. That, to me, is a problem, right? Again, everybody makes a run, Brady. It's the NBA. No lead is safe. If you're going to be the best team in the league, if you're going to win the NBA Finals, you got to find a way to have the killer instinct. We've talked about the third-quarter woes all year long, and for three years, we've been talking about third quarter woes for the Celtics. And every game is, can they figure out the third quarter? And, hey, that was a great third quarter. Hey, that was a terrible third quarter. They were up 11 points early in the third quarter, and the other team's best player didn't play. And all of a sudden, 10 minutes left in the third quarter, you're up 11. Seven minutes left in the first quarter, third quarter, you're losing. Like, it flipped on a dime. Don't tell me that the ref cost you the game when you had a double-digit lead and you let it slip through your hands in three minutes. The Celtics were up 131-129 to 129 in this game with a minute to play and allowed T.J. McConnell, of all people, who frankly I barely knew was even still in the league, to get to the bucket to tie the game. Right, Buddy Heel didn't tie the game. Halbert wasn't playing. Matherin didn't tie the game. T.J. McConnell tied the game. And I can't remember if it was Jalen or Drew Holiday who we beat off the dribble to get to the bucket. I think it was Jalen. Danny, do you remember that play specifically?
2: I don't. I remember the bucket being made, but I don't remember who was guarding at the point. I
0: think it was Jalen Brown. And, Danny, go even ahead. Pull up the highlights. You can go to YouTube, pull up the highlights, and go to the last 40 seconds or so and look at the McConnell bucket and tell me who, if, who was guarding him. I think it was Jalen Brown. And if Jalen Brown probably seven inches taller than T.J. McConnell, can't stop him from getting to the bucket, then what are we talking about the refs costing you the game? That Those comments frustrate me to no end. And I know he's in the moment, and I know it's emotional, and I know it's right after, and I appreciate his honesty. I just disagree with it. And it's not Jalen Brown specifically, because I love Jalen Brown. Anybody who blames the ref for a game, be it a player, be it a fan, or be it an analyst, I typically have the same answer, to: The ref didn't cost you the game. Could the ref have impacted the game? Could the call have impacted the game? Yes. But when you had a double-digit lead and blew it, you helped cost yourself the game. When you can't stop TJ McConnell, you helped cost yourself the game. When you have the inability to close in this consistent third quarter issue when you allowed 133 points, I can't go and point the finger at somebody else. 133 points allowed in a regulation game against a team you just saw the other night that you should have an answer for who's playing without its best player? I mean, come on. Right? I'm never going to side with that. I'm never going to side with that. In baseball, right, someone says in the eighth inning, hey, that pitch was three inches outside. You know what? It probably was. But you were 0 for 14 with runners in scoring position before that. You threw a meatball on 3-2 that got hit for a grand slam in the second inning. Don't come and tell me that that the ump cost you the game in the eighth, when you were 0 for 14, when you couldn't get any hits, when you couldn't get anybody on base. I'm never going to buy that. And I'm not really try, I'm not trying to defend the umpires or the refs. I'm trying to have people take accountability. If Jalen Brown had said, hey, I believe that was a foul, I believe that was a missed call, I look forward to seeing the two-minute report tomorrow, I disagree with it. But, by the way, we got to stop them from scoring 133 points. And, by the way, i got to stop T.J. McConnell. I'd have been fine with that. But he didn't say that. He said that cost us the game. Dan, did you find the highlight yet?
2: Too many YouTube ads, we're getting there.
0: Alright, because I, I just, I gotta know. 802-585-3026. Text says, uh.
2: It was Drew Holiday.
0: It was Drew Holiday he got through? Yeah. Okay, so then I, unless there was a switch,
2: s- I need to go back a little bit, but right at the point where he made the layup, it was Drew uh, Holiday. The
0: took it right off the dribble. So, if it was Holiday, it was probably Holiday. And then I will apologize there. It was a
2: Holiday on a switch.
0: Okay. So I'll apologize there. So it wasn't Jalen Brown that couldn't contain T.J. McConnell. But still, Drew Holiday is one of the best defenders in the league, and he got beat off the dribble there by a guy who's not known as one of the best offensive players in the league. The point still stands that the Celtics collectively should have been able to stop T.J. McConnell from getting to the basket. Okay? Again, I apologize to Jalen for saying you couldn't stop him. But the team – Gave up 133 points. The team couldn't stop T.J. McConnell. Texter says Jalen needs to make his free throws more often in general. All of that stuff. Okay, all of that stuff. I just yeah. There's no
2: guarantee he makes the two free throws if they give him the free throws for getting hit con- in the head. So
0: what did Danny? What did you think of it? Right, you were watching. You were watching it live, right? Not the not the college football game.
2: I watched the second half of the championship game.
0: But you were watching the Celtics yes, game until it yes. was over. Yep. Okay. What was your take on the game, on those plays, on everything I just said? In agreement, disagreement, let's have a conversation.
2: Yeah, obviously ticked off by what happened, but, like, if that goes to overtime, you don't know what happens. I don't think it cost them the game, but it contributed to losing the game, obviously.
0: Do you come out of that game thinking that the refs are the reason the Celtics lost?
2: I don't like the whole, like, the game is fixed. I If the refs blow that in real time, it, you know, that happens. But if they go back in, in replay, that's what makes me more mad is that they clearly could have seen it or there's a replay center that could have said, Hey, he clearly got hit. And then they still overturn it. That, that's just confusing to me.
0: What do you think about my perspective on all the things the Celtics did wrong?
2: Yeah. I mean, they turned the ball over way too much too. So even without Jason Tatum, they, they have enough star power out there, especially after Halliburton goes down, that they should win that game and they should defend better.
0: And they just beat that team by almost 20 the other night. Yeah. Again, like with Hal Burton on the floor. This time the shots didn't
2: fall the same way. You know, game to game things change. But, like, you know, there's they shouldn't be making too many excuses. They could have still won that game easily. They could have been up by more. That call wouldn't have mattered.
0: Do you believe, like, I again, NBA is different than college. NBA, everybody makes a run. When I sit here and say, okay, the Celtics were up 11 in the second half, do you look at that as an inexcusable blowing of a lead? like no, I that's do That's not a
2: lead in the NBA. That's nothing. That's,
0: so like, what, that's, what that's what two
2: possessions, you, pretty what much. Do
0: you cons- what do you consider, like, when do you consider it blown? You gotta be up 15, you gotta be up 18, you gotta be up 20, you gotta be up 10 with 5 minutes to go. Like, what to you is, is blowing of a lead?
2: It's not an amount. It's probably the amount over the amount of time. So, like you said, 15 over 5 minutes, that's definitely a blown lead. 10 over the last 2 minutes, that's definitely a blown lead. Um, 20 in the fourth quarter that's obviously a blown lead but like being up 10 in the third quarter that means nothing to me
0: it doesn't bother you though the inability of a team that says they want to play defense it says they want to be a good defensive team it doesn't bother you that they can't hold a double digit lead like a double digit lead is. they can for the most part they just
2: didn't last night that overall they're a very good defensive team Their transition defense was great for most of the game but yeah things things slip sometimes
0: yeah, okay, so I went back on that play specifically. Now I've got it up here on that TJ McConnell play. You are right. It starts out with Jalen Brown.
2: Switch. So, and,
0: Jay, so actually, Holiday's always on McConnell. Brown's guarding, I think that might be Miles Turner. I can't quite tell, but, uh, oh no, it's number seven. That's, that's healed. So that, yeah, that's healed. So Brown's guarding healed. They just kind of, You know, there's a screen there. You see Drew
2: Holiday go go under, sort of giving McConnell the the space to go right to the hoop.
0: Yeah, so then McConnell spins on Holiday. I'm like, how does Drew Holiday get beaten by McConnell?
2: Well, by going under and giving him a full head of steam.
0: But C.J. McConnell. I know he's pretty
2: quick though. I mean, he's not. I didn't even know McConnell was in the league until recently. He's pretty good. He's okay. He was
0: with Philly like a hundred years ago.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's probably what 32. I don't know.
0: He's an old Arizona player. I know that he's an old Arizona player. Huh?
2: Completely forgot about that.
0: Yeah, old Arizona player. So uh, that's where McConnell is at. Tatum didn't play yesterday. Again, I'm sure the ankle is okay, just kind of being, you know, maintained at this point. Daddy, do me a favor. He's only 31. McConnell, okay. We were close, though. Um, On Friday, we had some Colin Cowherd audio on Jason Tatum. I don't know what Friday was. Friday, I think, was the 5th or so. Can you go back and grab that audio? I never got a chance to respond to this, and I wanted to. It was Colin Coward talking about Jason Tatum, talking about the Celtics, talking about their championship window, talking about Tatum as a player, talking about how he compares to the rest of the league. This one seemed a little bit odd to me, Danny.
2: Which one do you want?
0: There's two. Um, Give me number two to start.
3: So Tatum was not ready when he first got into the league. He's not as good as LeBron, not as good as Steph, not as good as the old guard. And now he's not as good as the young guard, the international guys. Was his window two years ago. Because I'm here to tell you he and Jokic. Tatum's good. He not Jokic. And I'm here to tell you not Giannis. And I'm watching Wemby in the third quarter last night. And in two years, you're not gonna be Wemby. Sorry, not. He's not offensively Luca. And I'll be honest about SGA. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is he going to average 36 a game next year? I mean, can anybody in the league stop him? I mean, guy's incredible.
0: So Colin says that Jason Tatum basically is not as good as other stars in the NBA.
3: He's so not
2: the, as good as a two-time MVP? Oh, my God.
0: I, I mean, basically Colin has said that Tatum is not a top five player in the league. That is... You know, that is Collins' issue. And and my answer to that is, with this team, what does it matter, right? Like, I don't mind, like, you know, yes, I would love to have the best player in the league. I would love to have Jordan in his prime. But the late 80s, early 90s Bulls, the late 80s Bulls specifically, didn't win anything because it was Jordan and nobody else. Jordan was still great in the 90s, but Jordan got help, right? He got Tony Kukoc, and he got Scottie Pippen, and he got Steve Kerr, and he got Ron Harper, and he got Rodman, and he got a lot of help. But, again, it's not to say that Jordan wasn't great. He was. But he got a lot of help, and he didn't have to always lead the league in scoring. When Jordan led the league in scoring every year, the Bulls weren't winning anything. When he got more help, they started winning, okay? I would love to have a guy who had the killer instinct there, but with this team – where I have what could amount to five all-stars or so, and we talk about Tatum and Brown and Porzingis and Holiday and, you know, fringy Derek White as an all-star, when I have that, I would probably rather have, you know, five or six of the top 75 players than one of the top five. Like, I look at the Celtics right now. They are better than the Bucks, despite how good Giannis is. They are better than, you know, are they better than the Nuggets? Eh, maybe not. The Nuggets have a lot of help with Jokic also. Jamal Murray, I think, is a stud. Let's not forget that. But, like, for Colin to sit here and say, oh, Tatum, what, his window as the best player in the NBA is closed? One, I don't think that's true. But, two, he doesn't need to. If Tatum were playing on the, uh I don't look like, look at Trey Young. Trey Young is a statistically great player. Trey Young is kind of a lone wolf in Atlanta, and as a result, the Hawks are awful, or at least very, very mid. Right? Like, if you wanted Tatum to put up numbers like like Trey uh, – oh, my God. Who did I just say there, Danny, from Atlanta? Trey Young. Trey Young. Right. If I wanted Tatum to put up numbers like that, I'm sure he could. But he doesn't need to on this team. So does that bother you like it bothers me, Danny? That comment just seems a little out of place.
2: Notice he didn't put Embiid in there because it didn't fit his argument. I won an MVP last year.
0: Right. You know, like it's it's again, I would love to have the unequivocal best player in the league. But I'd also be perfectly fine with having six players in the top 75. And when I look at Porzingis and Brown and Tatum, I, I've probably got three of the top 30 in the league, don't I not? Like I'm pretty deep. I've got good balance. I've got different guys that can go off on different nights. I mean, if Tatum was scoring 40 every night and everybody else was scoring 8, Collin would be sitting here saying he's a one-man band, and that's not good enough. Now the team has so much depth that Tatum doesn't need to do what some of the other guys are doing, and that's not good enough. That 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 bothers me there, kind of that narrative argument. I, I'm not a huge fan of that. I don't love Colin, but I don't love that. So 802-585-3026. Um, text says, without Tatum. The Celtics are different. I'm not sure if it's the same when Jalen Brown was out. Tex says, Brown does not fight through screens and often chases his man. Terrible defensive player. He's
2: not terrible. Um, he's one of the best defensive ratings in the league this year.
0: Yeah, I don't think he's terrible. Um, I, I actually think Jalen Brown, I don't watch it to the level of you do. I don't pay attention to all the nooks and crannies stuff. I don't watch Jalen Brown and think he's a liability. You don't even have to I pay
2: think, attention. You just have to check the metrics that they prove it out.
0: I think I think the NBA in general has a defense problem in the regular season. But I think Jalen Brown, when he wants to be, just like a lot of players, but when Jalen Brown wants to be, he's one of the more engaged and special defenders in the league, especially among wing players, right? Like, it's easy to sit here and say, okay, the seven-footer is great who blocks a bunch of shots. It's kind of easy to say, okay, the hounding guard is great, like Gary Payton. For a guy who's a wing player, who's asked to guard multiple positions at multiple times, I think it's a little tougher to quantify. I think Jalen Brown is certainly long enough, is certainly athletic enough. Um, I think he's a good enough defender. Uh, Colin also talked about the Celtics championship window, Danny. Let's hear that.
3: Is he going to get a title? Ask yourself. So they broke, Jason Tatum broke into the NBA. He wasn't as refined as LeBron and Steph. He wasn't as tough as Kawhi, as battle-hardened as the old guys, the old guard. And now he had about a two-year window to win a title because now he's got to go through Giannis in his prime, Jokic in his prime, Luca's moving into his prime, Wemby's three years from his prime, SGA now into his prime, and I'm not sure he's as good as any of those guys.
0: Nearly every team he said there is in the Western Conference, Danny. So... I'm less wor Like it's not like he's going to have to go through this gauntlet where he's got to play every single one of those guys. He's going to have to worry about getting through Philly and Milwaukee, and then some interesting teams. Right? Cleveland can be interesting. Indiana can be interesting. But he's going to have to get through Milwaukee and Philly,
2: which and they've beaten before.
0: Which was they beaten before? Philly's case multiple times and we talk about the Western Conference, those teams are all going to knock each other off. There's only going to be one left standing by the time the the Celtics get to them. So that frustrates me as well. It'd be one thing if you said, okay, can you beat this team in a a series, and then that team, and then that guy, and then that guy? Okay, there's four teams in a gauntlet. Celtics don't have that. The Celtics' championship window is absolutely open. Now, Tatum is still young. We talk about guys being in their prime. Tatum is kind of just entering his prime. He's like year six in the league. At this point, he's 26 years old. Yeah. Is he 26? I believe he is. Okay, so, like, you, you don't even physically hit your prime usually until 27. Like, your, as your physical athletic prime is like 27 to 30. Now, Tatum came out. No, he's still out, 25. I, believe... I was wrong. Okay, so 25. So, Tatum's barely in his prime. Jalen Brown's barely in his prime. They've got two stars in their prime. They got Porzingis, who's a little bit older, but is still good. They got Holiday, who I know is a little bit older, but he's got probably two years, I would say, of really, really high level basketball. Derek White is a guy who, even though he's a, you know, more of a role player, he's a guy who's just coming into his own. I, I think the Celtics championship window is fair, is, is completely open. I mean, Tatum is younger than Embiid. We should be asking, is Embiid ever going to get a title? We should be, which some people are, but like we should be asking that. We should be asking if Donovan Mitchell's ever going to get a title. And I would say the answer under current circumstances is no. So the Celtics window is open. I'm not here to gift wrap them the championship. But to sit here and say that they are, you know, I don't know, to sit here and say that they're out of it here, that uh, that isn't fair either. Um, Tex says, yeah, is, I, I was going to check myself on this, and a listener beat me to it. Uh Jordan still did lead the league in scoring every year he rung, won a ring. I, I will correct myself on that. But I can tell you this, that Jordan did get a lot of help. Right When the, the late 80s Jordan, Jordan was great, didn't win, couldn't beat the Celtics, couldn't beat the Pistons, then he started to get some more help and things became easier for the Bulls in general. He was still undeniably great. He still won scoring titles. I'll give you that. So I, I will amend my statement on that. But I do know Jordan had more help in the 90s than he did in the 80s. Um, yeah, Colin's saying the the Tatum's championship window is closed. Like, I would be sitting here saying about Oklahoma City if I were him. Like, yeah, Shane Gildas-Alexander Gil- is great, but like, I'd be like, okay, is he going to be able to get through these teams? Like, I'd be more worried about him out west with – Jokic there for a while, and, you know, with at least for right now, this version of the Clippers, depending on what we see of them in the playoffs, they won't be around forever, but this version of the Clippers is tough to beat. When being in three years, if he really thinks the Spurs are going to be good, I'd be more worried about Shea Gildas-Alexander than I would Jason Tatum. The Celtics should win the title this year if, ever, if they play well enough. And that's, you know, every team should win the title if they play well enough. But, like, the Celtics, to me, should be the favorite. Doesn't mean they'll win it. Doesn't mean they'll put it together. Doesn't mean that they'll hit all their shots. Doesn't mean that they'll call their timeouts at the appropriate time. But they should win the title if they play the way they're capable of. Um We'll see what happens. But for Colin to sit here and say, oh, Tatum's not the best player in the league. Well, yeah, but he's got depth that you would want every other team in the league to have. 802-585-3026. Um, a Red Sox note. We're going to talk to Aaron Deloney here in just a matter of moments, but... Uh, we're going to talk Red Sox tomorrow with Tom Karen. Just kind of an update on things, because I had it here on my uh, list of notes to talk about. Red Sox did not get to Oscar Hernandez. He signed a one-year deal with the Dodgers. Red Sox are in on slugging outfielder Jorge Soler. I still don't think outfielder is in need, but if they use signing an outfielder to go trade an outfielder for a pitcher, then I'd be on board with it. They're still in the mix for Japanese lefty Shoto Imanaga. We know that the Giants are in on him. The Angels are in on him. The Cubs are in on him as well. He's got to sign his contract by Thursday. When you're a Japanese player, you've got, I believe, it's a 50- or a 60-day window to negotiate a contract. He's on, like, two days left here. By by Thursday afternoon, he's got to have a deal or go back to Japan. So we're going to get a resolution on that one pretty quickly. Um, I did not really get to talk about the Vrabel stuff, and I want to. So I'll have to do more of that tomorrow. We'll do that with Freddie Coleman. Titans fired Mike Vrabel. I think that makes the conversation for Robert Kraft and company immensely more interesting and the situation with the Patriots immensely more complicated because Vrabel is a guy that they like who's in the family. Vrabel has reportedly said if they got rid of Belichick, he'd be willing and wanted to go to the Patriots. How does that complicate things for Gerard Mayo? What about kind of how he feels? There's a lot of stuff going on there. But the Vrabel fired in Tennessee, and it does make the conversation more interesting for the New England Patriots. All right, what we're going to do, we're going to step aside, we're going to come back. Aaron Deloney is going to stop by. The UVM men's basketball standout, he'll be with us. Catamounts are 11-5 and five right now in the season, getting ready for their second conference game of the year, which will come up on Thursday against UMBC. So AD is going to stop by for his weekly conversation, find out what the latest state of the Catamounts are. That's next on D E B.
3: This is Freddie Coleman of ESPN, and you're listening to Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV and WDEVradio.com.
0: Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show here on this Tuesday, WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Let's get right into our weekly Cats Chat. Today we'll talk with UVM men's basketball standout Aaron Deloney, AD and the crew, 11-5 and five right now. Nice conference opening win against Maine the other day at Patrick Jim, Aaron, how are you? Happy New Year.
1: Thank you. Happy New Year to you. I'm good.
0: I appreciate you being with us. Uh you beat Maine the other day by 7. Little tough early, right? Um you know, Maine had a 4-point lead at half. You guys rebounded in the second half to win that game. What was the key to getting the uh the victory to open up league play?
1: Um yeah, like you said, uh you know, they came out firing. We had a we had kind of a lead on them um with a couple minutes left going into the uh second half, but at the end, you know, they kind of made some some really tough shots, some turnaround jumpers. Um And in the second half, you know, we just wanted to be the more physical team. We thought they were playing harder than us and then a little more effort defensively Um, and kind of living with those turnaround shots that they were shooting. And I think we really established that in the second half and our bigs really stepped up too.
0: you know, I've been around the team for eight years or so. I've seen. 15, 18 games against Maine and usually it ends with UVM winning that game by double figures. I think it's fair to say Maine has massively improved from where they were a few years ago, but do you care about style points? Do you look at a game and say, okay, we beat that team by seven. We should have won by 17 or are you just happy to get the
1: victory? A little bit of both. You definitely, you know, you want to get the win. So no matter how you get that win, you know, people say a win is a win. Um, but you definitely look back like we did. We look back on that game like we should have won by so-and-so. We should have won by 17 if we would have got these three stops or if we would have made these three shots, if we would have made these free throws. So it's definitely a mix of both.
0: What do you think of the new conference schedule this year, Thursday, Saturday games? I would think it's a, a massive benefit if you're at home and right. a massive detriment if you're on the road. What do you think of the new uh, the new schedule?
1: Yeah, it's definitely weird, you know, playing uh, the Saturday game, you obviously get some more time and then you play the Thursday game and you only have one day to prepare for a whole other team that probably has a whole different style of play um, than the team you just played. You only get one day to rest the legs for guys that play a lot of minutes. So it's definitely different. So um, we're kind of looking at how we can manage that and kind of get used to it at, as we uh, start up conference.
0: You know, we talked about this when it was in the Charleston tournament, but uh kind of remind me, what is it like physically to to bounce back that quickly? You do get a day off, but oftentimes you'll be traveling. You'll be on a bus somewhere. Those are long trips in some cases. What is the recovery like? You haven't had to do it yet in season, but how hard is it to bounce back quickly?
1: It's definitely tough, you know, especially if you're playing a lot of minutes, no matter which, if you try to stretch, um, whatever you do with your legs, you're going to feel it the next day no matter what. So I think it's more of a mental game, you know, as soon as that game's over, kind of getting into recovery mode instantly and not waiting for that next day because it's going to be there no matter what what you try to do.
0: You know, it's no fault of his because we can see that he's trying to gut this out. But how tough is it for you guys to navigate the Shamir Bogue situation, right? You're planning for him to be there one game. He's not there the next. He's in the starting lineup. He's out a few minutes into the game. Is that difficult to navigate kind of a, how how you go about your business?
1: Yeah, uh it's definitely tough, you know, preparing with him all week and then losing him like five minutes into the game um, definitely sucks. Um And not really knowing when he'll be back and when he's not back. uh, I'm not sure about two specific details about the injury. Um, And it kind of just seems like an off and on thing. But hopefully we can get it figured out. Um, You know, he's one of our best players on both ends of the court. So hopefully we can get it figured out and have him in there consistently.
0: UVM Men's Basketball Standard, Aaron Deloney with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. I think one of the real pleasant, um, I wouldn't call it a surprise, development since we last spoke is the play of both Brenton Mills and Jace Rockamore. Two guys that transferred in, didn't get a lot of minutes early, but really seem to have stuck with it. And they're now making some pretty significant impacts, both offensively and defensively. What yeah. have you seen from them? Two guys we've kind of gotten to see more here the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, both those guys, you know, all season at the beginning, they, you know, they weren't playing the minutes they wanted, but they kept their head down, continued to work. And, um, you know, we would just, we just tell those guys, like, your time is coming, like, no matter what, like Shamir, um, he was out, perfect opportunity for them to step in, play big minutes. And I think every game, um, they kind of played and they, they've definitely made an impact on um, whether that was the defensive side, rebounding. Or getting, you know, Jace is doing a really great job moving the ball, getting to the basket, uh, in certain coverages, uh, that teams play. So yeah, I knew their time was going to come at some point. It happens with everybody, um, throughout the season. So they've done a really good job stepping in, uh, those roles and, and playing really good. I was talking, or I was listening to Nick Fiorillo
0: talk after the game the other day. He talked about your guys' depth. You guys are really consistently going 9-10 deep, getting 8-9 scorers a game. Talk to me about uh, how important that depth has been for
1: you guys so far. It's been huge, um, especially, you know, with teams kind of switching up their style against us, taking away one of our best aspects, the three-point line. you know, it's been tough for the guards. They're, they're switching up, uh, hard for us to get, you know, open looks. Um, they're kind of like making our bigs like score. So having depth like that just to get like different, different people scoring different, uh, styles of play out there on the court is, it, it, is really good. And the more people we can play, I think the better we are.
0: You know, he talked also about kind of you and him specifically, two guys that are veteran leaders coming off the bench, really trying to anchor that second group. How do you think, how important have you and him been with your experience level to kind of getting the best out of that next group?
1: Uh, I think really good. Um especially Nick he's he's uh I think this is the best he's played you know um especially after his injury and um he's he's just punishing punishing the switches teams are switching on and off the ball with us and um I think our coaches early in the season were on all the bigs about like we have to score in the paint way more and 44 I think we got 44 or 46 points in the paint the other night and that's a huge testament to him and his work um and yeah Nick's improvement has just been been uh really good and we talk about it all the time um so it's it's really good we've talked a
0: lot about O'Leary Iofalia's um athleticism he certainly has that but also just the last couple of games especially I've really noticed just how active he's been how aggressive right going at you know going to the bucket there was the big plays against Brown down the stretch where he hit that big three um so an aggressiveness a mindset what do you see from him kind of effort and activity level wise
1: Yeah, I think the confidence is just coming for him Um, slowly but shortly. There was about, I think the Colgate game, they threw a weird look at us where they weren't even guarding him. And his man was kind of standing in the paint the whole time throughout their defense. And I think that game, watching that back, he was kind of like, damn, like how am I going to help my team out if they're guarding me like this? And so he took that, I think, took that personally. Now he's been shooting the three. He's been uh, attacking closeouts really hard, getting to that little floater game and just playing really strong and physical like we always knew he could.
0: Coach Becker has talked recently about um, you guys getting off to some slow starts, and he's talked about your effort at times. You mentioned this now you thought Maine was playing harder than you. What is the key to getting this team to play hard for a full 40 minutes?
1: We just can't wait. I think, um, I mean, we've been really good at at coming back. Um, there's been a lot of games this season where we fought through some tough deficits and came back and won the Brown game, um, Charleston. But we just, we can't do that um, and rely on that. Nobody wants to dig themselves a hole and then have to dig out of it. So I think from the start, it just has to be a team-wide mindset of like, man, we can't wait because we never know what could happen. Last
0: couple of games for you, little less minutes, little more scoring output, but yet I've been watching kind of your body language. You seem as engaged in the game as ever, still being a good leader. Kind of talk to me about how you're feeling right now about yourself.
1: Yeah, uh, scoring obviously, obviously isn't there. Um, like I said, teams are just doing some, some really different stuff right now. We're trying to work out our offense as best as we can, but, um, no matter what, you know, uh it says for me points wise, I'm I'm still gonna lead the guys, I'm still gonna get guys involved, try to get to the paint so, you know, people help and get other guys shots. Um and just playing my same game no matter what shots are gonna fall. Um I could have a two point game one day and have a twenty point game the next. So um just staying with it and trying to be consistent as I can.
0: Is it does that attitude come naturally for you, or is that something that you've learned as you've gotten older? Because I'm kinda of realizing I very well might have been a selfish player in my life, A B. Uh-huh. Like I wanna win, but I want to be the reason the team wins. You yeah, know, I'm sure. You know?
1: Yeah, I um it, it, I've been like that forever, honestly. Um obviously you want to be like one of the main reasons, but as long as we win and I play, I mean if I play I contributed. So um just keeping that attitude. And I think if everybody has that, you're good too. And it starts with me, so
0: Gonna take on UMBC coming up on Thursday. What do we know about the Retrievers at this point? This is a program that has given UVM fits, but that was more a couple of years ago. You kind of had their number again the last couple of years. What do we know about UMBC at this point?
1: Yeah, definitely a different UMBC team. Um, I know earlier in the year they lost to Louisville by one. Um, They put up like 93 points or something in that game. So obviously they can score it. I know they got, I think they play like four guards in that that first lineup. So um, they'll they'll definitely be on the attack. yeah, and I guess we'll see once we get into their their personnel and whatnot.
0: Well, we, last time we spoke to you was before New Year's. You were still in Oregon last we spoke. You told me something cool, a uh, kind of off-air. Your dad is a big fan of the show. That's cool to hear. I appreciate it's that. Shout-out to uh, Papa yeah. DeLone.
1: I went upstairs for for an interview, and I came back down. He was like, where'd you go? I was like, oh, I had an interview with Brady Farkas. He was like, oh, Brady Farkas, that's my guy. And he started talking about all like the different stuff you talk about on your show. So, yeah, he's a fan wow. of the tour.
0: Next time next time I'm at Patrick Jim and I've seen it's funny, actually last year coming out of the Americas title game, I saw you and your dad walking down the street towards the parking garage. And I almost came up and said hello because we had spoken a bunch of times leading up to it. I didn't want to interrupt the family moment, but uh, you I definitely should have. So next time, you know, now that I know he knows who I am and not just some random guy coming up <laughs> to you, I'll uh, I'll have to say hello. So will he'll,
1: uh, uh, he'll, he'll, uh, be here in February for a back to back we got at home.
0: All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that also. So, AD man, much appreciated. Team's 11 and five right now. One and zero in conference play. UNBC coming up on uh, on Thursday. You're gonna have a national TV game against Bryant um, in the next couple of games here before we talk next. So we'll uh, we'll catch up in two weeks. Best of luck. Cool. Appreciate it. All right, that was Aaron Deloney, the UVM men's basketball standout uh, with us here on the Brady Parker Show, usually with us at 6.30 today, with us uh, a little bit later today. So much appreciated to get AD on. Anyways, uh, Catamounts are 11-5 and five right now on the season. What an inside league play. And they will yeah, take on UMBC coming up on Thursday. They'll get another home game on Saturday, and then they'll go on the road for a couple of games. I do not like this Thursday-Saturday schedule. I mean... For the fans, it's fun to have two games in three days to watch. I mean, so I do appreciate that from, but, but I don't like it from a player's perspective, right? I mean, you're talking about Prepare As AD said, right, getting a whole bunch of time to prepare for that Thursday game and then almost no time at all to prepare for that Saturday game. If you want to create the best conference schedule that you have and create the best basketball, you are putting teams at a disadvantage. I I would be I would be very interested by the time the season is over in looking at the Saturday games. And seeing how much sloppier or less efficient they are than the Thursday games, right? The Thursday games, you get a lot of time to prepare for. Saturday games, you get no time to prepare for. To AD's point, it's harder on the body. Again, you're talking about traveling, right? UVM right now is at an advantage in that they've been able to, that they will be able to play Thursday at home, Saturday at home, no travel, things are familiar. But when they go on the road for those three games, you know, the following three games, you're talking about that Thursday, Saturday game being you're talking about a bus ride being involved there and, and you know, and depending on where you are in your schedule, it's a potentially lengthy bus ride. So I am not a fan of that. I wish the conference wouldn't have done that. I greatly preferred when it was Tuesday, Saturday or Wednesday, Saturday and we're giving more time there. This just doesn't seem great to me and I don't know what the impetus was. Was it for some kind of financial reason? Was it for some kind of officiating reason? I have no idea, but I know that I'm not a fan of it. What I am a fan of is Aaron Deloney's attitude. Because I asked him point, Blake, I'm like, look, your last couple of games you haven't played as much, you haven't scored as much. How are you feeling? He said, look, at the end of the day, I just want to win. He goes, I want to play, I want to feel like I contributed, but I want to win. And he said, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And, and for a guy who's a fifth-year senior who had options to go other places, I'm very, very impressed with that attitude. Because I, I, I frankly wouldn't have had it. I'd be looking at it like, look, I put my time in here. This is my team. John Becker has said in repeated interviews, this is AD's team. I want you to show me that, and I want a chance to be the guy who comes in here and puts up 15 and puts up 18 and puts up 22. That's what I would want. But, again, maybe I just am a selfish player, right? I'm not Aaron Deloney. He says, look, man, that's how I've always been. And I, I really appreciate that because I think it is atypical. It's certainly atypical based on how I would act, right? I definitely wouldn't be acting that way, but – He's taken his role, whatever his role is on that day, right? He's been a starter. He's been a bench player. He's asked to come off the bench. He's taken one for the team. He's been the starting point guard. He's been a shooting guard. He's gone for 20. He's gone for two. He's played 20 minutes. He's played 34 minutes. He's done whatever this team has needed. And as a result, they are 11-5, and five, and they are in a good position. Again, they only won that game by seven. But And he said there's a lot of things we can clean up, but they're 1-0. and Got a chance to get to 3-0 and by the time the weekend ends, and we'll see where they're at as they hit their first big road trip here on league here in league play. So uh, Catamount's taking on UMBC on Thursday. And of course, we'll be watching that game as always. Danny and I watch all these games. Uh, you know, the, so the women's games we are usually watching in the studio because they start at six o'clock. So we get one eye on them. But when the game ends, when the show ends, we always race home and watch these games. With uh, Danny's not watching the Celtics, of course. But uh, we had a lot of talk about the Celtics today, too. So, uh, all right. That's going to do it for us. I had to end the show with a D had to get off the Vrabel stuff, had to get off the Patriots stuff and had to get off the Celtics stuff as well. So a lot of stuff has happened today. So good stuff all around and go find the interview with Aaron Deloney on the Brady Farkas show podcast channel, Apple podcast, Spotify, and WDEV radio.com. You can also go check out the full show podcast as well. Thanks to AD for stopping by. Thanks to Danny for pressing all the right buttons. Thanks to you for listening on the text line, Tom Karen, our socks insider at Nesson tomorrow. And uh, look, Red Sox are, and it has not been a great off season overall, right? It has not been a great off season overall, We'll get DC spin and where he, where his head is at with spring training here just four plus weeks away. So that'll be tomorrow on the show and you'll hear from Freddie Coleman a little bit tomorrow as well. All right. That's going to do it for us. We'll see you tomorrow. Drive safe. Jazz with George Thomas is next here on WDEV, AM and FM at WDEV